This is Greg Collins, Substitute Teacher's Lounge. Guys, this might have been my most discouraging week as a substitute teacher so far. Help me through it. And do I use the word amazing too often? Guys, I promise I won't be too much of a downer this week. Just some things I want to talk through. I, I wouldn't mind you all sharing with me your comments on this. This was probably my most discouraging week as I spent as a substitute teacher, basically because of this. As I mentioned last week, the whole episode last week was about going back to virtual. We now know that because of the area we're in, we are going to be online only through Thanksgiving. So we've got another week and a half of this. We just went through one week. Some of us, not you know, probably most of the teachers gave some kind of scoring opportunity. And it's just not the same. It's harder to get students motivated. The main reason I was disappointed is I'm thinking that I am covering the topics adequately I've got some students in each class that I really think would do outstanding regardless of who was in there teaching them. They they might be able to just walk in and teach the class on themselves. So it's not really those kids that I'm talking about. It's maybe, you know, that's probably maybe the upper five to 10%. But I'm talking about the ones that I felt like I had covered the subject adequately And then it was obvious when test results came back that maybe it wasn't as good as I thought they would have been. So now you all have all been through that as either a substitute teacher or a teacher. Now I've got to toy with various different issues in my head. Should I just give in to the fact that I'm only a substitute teacher? I'm not expected it to cover the material as well as the regular teacher's. Could I, should I just sit back and let that happen and do nothing about it? Well, you know what my answer is going to be to that. We'll talk about that here in just a moment. Should I go back and try to figure out what in the world is happening? There are several different schools of thought. I do want to appreciate, I'm not going to call the teacher by name, but one of the teachers I work with, I had talked to them about this, and they not only responded text message wise but took the time to call me and we kind of talked through some things and and they told me you know not to let it bother me here's where I'm coming from let let's take our current situation in the world in this country in my area we are still going through the COVID protocol it is just more difficult to teach kids while they're home now ironically It's easier to control them in a strange kind of way. I still have kids in class that will fuss at each other and aggravate each other. It's all in fun, but sometimes I have to tell them just to stop in the classroom and go to maybe 10 minutes of silence. I don't like to do that. That is definitely a last resort. Well, in the Zoom meeting, it started the same way, and it's, you know, I shouldn't make it sound too bad because these are two really good kids. They are 
They participate in class all the time. They get good scores on their test. They are just competitive to the point that they they fuss at each other a little bit. I had to one time during the meeting actually Zoom actually will not only let you mute people on the other end, but then you have the choice of allowing them to unmute yourself or you being the only one being able to do that. So I had to do that for a little while. And it backfired, of course, because I was sharing my screen and trying to get somebody to talk to me, get one of the kids to answer. And I was aggravated because nobody would answer, not even the students that usually answer all the time. And then the light bulb came on and I realized I still had them muted and they couldn't unmute themselves. So I had to take a my bad on that. But first thing we have to decide, and I think we all know the initial answer to this, is performance going to be naturally just less now? Are we going to get less performance, lower performance, because we are teaching them virtually? I think most teachers that I've met have come to the conclusion that they are. So then we have a couple of different ways we can react to that. We could say, they're just going to perform worse virtually. We've just got to get used to it. And, of course, that means that all our grades will average down. Or the flip side of that is, do we back off a bit when we test them and maybe not test them as difficultly as we do at times? Do we make the test, I hate to say easier, because that's such a misnomer. What's easier in one mind might be harder in another. But do we make the uh, test easier because of what they're going through? So those are things that we have to consider. So that was the first thing I was discouraged about. The test results weren't the same. But, you know, as a substitute teacher then, what am I doing wrong? What am I not getting across to those kids? You know, there's a little bit of me that thinks that I may over-assume sometimes. I mean, I've dealt with numbers my whole life. That was my career. I was an accountant before I retired two years ago, before I became a substitute teacher. They've always told me, the teachers I talked to have said they, they've always wanted to see what an accountant would bring to a teaching role like this. And I want those kids to have fun in class. I'll be honest, I want them to like me. I mean, I had a podcast a couple of weeks ago about do we want to be liked or not? Yeah, I want to be liked because I think that promotes interaction. If you allow the kids to like you, they are more comfortable asking questions. Now, I will say this, the participation level now, oh my goodness, it's what, 10%? We're struggling at our school on how to measure participation. I'll give you something that seems bizarre to me. I gave one class a, it was a, in a quiz format, but it was stuff we were going over as a class. So we came to a conclusion in a class and then I allowed them to put down their answer. So it was basically 10 points of easy classroom work. Only half of the class turned that in. So you had to either be completely ignoring the fact you wanted to just get your face seen as a student and then not do any work at all, or something happened. How would I know? Although I haven't heard from any students. But, you know, we we as school systems now, we have to figure out how are we going to measure participation in the virtual meetings? Well, that's one way to do it. I could just tell the administration that 
those that half of the students didn't participate in class because they didn't fill out the easy assignment. I could do it that way. So we're toying around with that. We know how we can measure participation when they're in the room. So I'm going to try to come up with some things. But as a substitute teacher, I don't want to become so discouraged that I I probably let it bother me for about 12 hours. I had difficulty sleeping that night. I had similar reaction in all the classes that I wish they had done better on the test. Now, there's three levels of students, maybe. There were the students that I mentioned that probably would do well no matter who's teaching and what the subject is. Then you've got students at the bottom. A few of them maybe don't care who's teaching them and what the subject is. They're not really going to try that hard. It's the people in the middle maybe that I worry about most who are trying hard but are having a more difficult time understanding. You know me well enough to now that I I think that Math kind of lends itself to that. Math just comes more naturally. Although I guess I could say that about reading too. Reading comes more naturally to some people than others. So I guess other subjects have the same flaws. I hear students tell me all the time, Mr. Collins, I'm just not good at math. Ironically, when I ask them what they're good at, it's something that I'm not good at. So who am I to say that math not to make the excuse about math because I'm terrible at writing. I'm terrible at being creative. I can't do things like that, but I'm good at math. My student might be bad at math, but they're great in the other categories. So who am I to say you got to be great in all of them, but we do have to teach them in all of them. So discouraging this week in test results, discouraging this week in interaction with the kids. I do have some ideas I'm going to try. I've already tried some ideas that, to be honest, didn't work. I'm going to try some other ideas. I have been rolling this around in my head, and I'm going to try them. I'm not going to tell you what they are because I want you to learn the results next week after I've had a week to try them out. So discouraging week. I could let it bother me. I did, like I said, for about 12 hours, but after those 12 hours, I picked myself back up and said, this ain't going to happen. I am not going to let this get me down. If I let it get me down, that is not good for me or the students. I'm not going to give up by any means. I I would never would have done that, never would have even considered doing that. But I've got ways, not so much in what I'm teaching them, but how I'm teaching them and how that needs to change a bit for this virtual environment. So that's kind of the discouraging part of this discussion today. Boy, if I ever needed your help, if I ever needed you to go to the Substitute Teachers Lounge Facebook page, join the group, I'll ask the question there too to kind of spur a little interest and get some feedback. And I want you all to tell me what you've done. And be specific I don't want you to jump in there and say, hey, it's going great in our area. Well, that doesn't tell me anything. Tell me why it's going great. Tell me some things you suffered through and conclusions you've come to. Here's what I'm hoping. You know we started with just a few virtual weeks. Then we went to a couple where we had half in the building and half at home. That was a nightmare. It's impossible trying to do that. 
And then we had all in the room for several weeks before our district reached a level that we needed to go back to virtual again for a while. So maybe some of you have even more experience in what's been has worked virtually for you because you've done it maybe from the school year. So please go to Substitute Teachers Lounge Facebook. Let's get a discussion going there. If you'd rather keep it private, email me at gregcollinsubstitute at gmail.com. I've got a Twitter at Subteach Lounge. You can go there, comment there too. You can send me if if you uh if you you know follow my Twitter account I will follow you back, and then that way we can also send direct messages to each other. So let's do that. That's my discouraging week. I will not let it. I'm going to say I won't let it happen again to that level. And again, thanks so much for the teacher that called and gave me some ideas and and helped me out in that way. I will have maybe part two of this discussion next week when I tell you what I tried and and what worked and what didn't work. By the way, I will tell you, in the computer applications class, which is also difficult to teach, if you're in anything like that, I'm doing a project now where I'm showing them how to write an ebook and publish it on Kindle Publishing. 85% are just loving it. They can't wait. They want to write multiple books. And, of course, I have to move the class along. But once I show them how to use Kindle Direct Publishing... They can publish it anytime they want to. It's really fun. I shared a video with them. If you would like a video, uh, just, again, contact me through either the Facebook page or through my Gmail account, and we'll we'll get that to you. So the other thing I'm going to try, I use Audacity for to create this podcast, and I am using something different because... I'm going to teach my kids how to use a podcast. I want to learn a couple of different systems because I know, given the fact that a lot of them are at home on Chromebooks, that it's not going to be as easy for them to use Audacity. There is Chromebook extensions, but it's just not as, I don't know, clean, for lack of a different word as it would be on using a PC version and some of them because the the system, the operating system that runs on a Chromebook is a a bit unique and you have to kind of use extensions for a lot of different things. So, but that's what we're going into next. That's been exciting. So if you're doing anything like that, also let me know. I'll chalk up the rest of this podcast as maybe something, I hope you find it humorous. I hope I don't end up offending people, but it's funny, some of the words as I've gotten gotten into the school system that I hear repeated over and over and weird things pop into my head all the time. I, I get to thinking, man, are we using that word correctly? One that comes to mind is I hear this word all day long from everybody. I noticed it early on. That word is amazing. We might have gone to an amazing restaurant. We might have an amazing student. We might have an amazing subject to teach. We just say amazing, amazing, amazing all the time. I started to poke fun at it a little bit, and then I started becoming conscious of how often I say that word too. And I'm thinking, man, I was here I was looking at other people and talking about how often they use that word. And then I realized I was using it too. So I kind of trained my brain for this past week 
and the week before that, too, as I was preparing for this, of looking at the different ways I use the word amazing. And I tried to write it down every time I used it to make a note of it to see how I used it. And I was overusing it. Let's face it, everything can't be amazing. If McDonald's is amazing and my favorite steakhouse is also amazing, well, which level is which? I have amazing students. I would call each and every student amazing. They're amazing in their own way. You know, another word that we use a lot is awesome. It's kind of funny. I remember back when I was a child, we didn't use that word that often. And when we did, sometimes I would get scolded because there were some people that thought that the word awesome should be used only for God. But, you know, I I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm overusing that word, too. But there's a lot of things that we call amazing What I have, to me, the biggest misuse that I've done with that word is when I'm trying to sell something to somebody. I don't mean monetarily, but I mean my idea. If I have an idea and I want to show someone else how great an idea it is, and maybe it's not the greatest thing in the world, it's just something that I've gotten used to using. So I want them to think it's the greatest thing in the world. So I call it amazing. You know, maybe we're choosing between four different programs for a school system. And how do I give my opinion? I say, oh, this one is amazing. Well, to me, I don't pay much attention to that word anymore from either me or other people because I am trying to be as specific as possible. If I'm going to just, I see this in Facebook pages all the time. If I'm just going to be using the word amazing, I am not giving enough information. If I'm going to say something's amazing, I'm going to tell people why it's amazing. So that's the first word that I think is overused. When you tell something, somebody amazing, think to yourself, Am I doing that just to kind of swing them over to my side? Let me give some specifics. Let me show them why I think this is amazing. Another word is literally. I hear that word used, uh, misused all the time. I actually heard an adult the other day. They were talking to somebody on their phone, and they were talking about a funny story, and they actually used the phrase, I literally laughed my head off. Well, I hope that's not true because you guys know what the word literal means. And unless there's somebody's head rolling across the floor because they're laughing so hard, that word was misused. So that's one that we, I think that we misuse a lot. We overuse it and it's kind of become something in in that vernacular that we shouldn't be using it that way. Another one, I you know the, the word challenge comes up from time to time in schools. We use it sometimes to be tough with students. We call it a challenge. I try not to use the word that I'm challenging my student in this regard. I won't give them questions and if everybody misses it, I'm going to come to the opinion that I didn't teach it well more so than it's good to challenge the students. If they miss it, they just miss it. Well, I'm going to rethink that. I'm going to think that if even the strongest students in the room didn't do well, well, then I messed something up. I didn't teach them as properly as I should. 
did did half of the class get it right and half of them didn't? Well, that's different. That that's I would say that was something I needed to challenge those students, and they need know what they need to study for now. So that's another word, challenge, that I think is misused. Realist. Oh my goodness, I hate when people use the realist word. Realist. Oh. You might think that way, but I'm a realist. Here's what I think. Well, they're only using the word realist so that they can say something negative about something, and that is a misuse of the word. So I don't want to use that word at all. I don't want to have a conversation, and just because I disagree with somebody, I'll say, well, I'm a realist. That's what's really going to happen. That's not a good way to use that word. Another word is defensive. We have gotten to a point in our society and maybe in our classrooms where all of a sudden, if somebody disagrees with us, well, we shoot back by saying, don't be defensive. And I'm thinking, boy, are we misusing that word or or not? We're trying to run that other person down, maybe even the student. Are we trying to run a student down by not saying... Don't be defensive just because they said something contrary to what we just said. The kids know that I like them to debate in class. Maybe I'll try some of that virtually to try to get more kids involved, but I would never say to somebody, you're just being defensive. Now, you know how that word should be used. Let's use it in that way and not just because somebody is disagreeing with us. And probably maybe the last word I can think of, and again, I I would love for you to go to the Facebook page and challenge me. I promise I won't get defensive. Challenge me, and I won't get defensive. I promise. The last word I was going to mention is perfect. You know, I'm not sure there's anything in this world that is truly perfect. We have to strive and make our students, whether as a teacher or as a substitute teacher, better all the time. I'm never going to reach perfection. Neither are you. Neither are those students. One thing that I do use that word for in the classroom, I try not to overuse it because then it just kind of becomes artificial. But when a, when a kid gets a question right, and, you know, in math especially, there's perfect answers. It's either right or it's wrong. So the only thing that maybe not be in, might be a bit imperfect is the way you got there. There's certain ways that you arrive to a conclusion. You have to show your work. And maybe some ways are – now, this is an impossible phrase. I was going to say more perfect than the other. That's – that's something that can't happen. It's either perfect or it's not. It can't be more perfect. But sometimes if they get an answer correct in class, I'll say perfect. That was exactly what I was looking for. And that tends to encourage the students. Now, I won't say it artificially. If they missed it, I'll usually say something like, you know, I know why you gave that answer. I know why a lot of people would give that answer. Let's go through it on our own and see how that goes. So, guys, sometimes we're going to have weeks that are discouraging. Let's try to pick ourselves up. I know some teachers, especially maybe some that are getting close, maybe they're within a few years of retirement, it becomes more difficult to stay with things than maybe it was in the past. You become discouraged. It's kind of funny. 
everybody knows that, and it's just the way I've always been, guys. For two years since I've retired, I still can't sleep past 5 a.m. So I usually go into the school and I get there 30 minutes easy before most of the other people. And they joke with me and, and say, oh, you can tell who the newer teachers are. And I said, man, I have always been like this. And you know what happens is I start thinking of things. I, I guarantee you every morning I will wake up and think, you know, this is a better way I could have done what I what I, what I planned for today. Let me go in and revise it a bit. And I'll do that. So don't get discouraged by things. Always look for new ways. I've got ideas this week. I can't wait to share how they went next week. We'll do that. And remember, are you using these words? You know, I know this was just an amazing podcast, maybe the most amazing one that I've ever done. Well, that's trying to sell it to you because I'm misusing the word amazing. So I'm going to go back in my vocabulary and make sure I'm using words correctly. Guys, let's do whatever we need to do. Let's stay encouraging for our kids. Let's use the words that motivate them most. Let's not use certain words so often that it demotivates them. And let's see if we can just become better substitute teachers together. I'll see you next week. It will be the next it will be the Sunday before Thanksgiving next week in the year 2020. So We'll see how things are going. I already know that some of our normal plans that we'll be doing for Thanksgiving will not happen this year, but we're not going to let it get us discouraged, right? So I will see you next week. Music provided by Ben Sound.